Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. First things first, I want to congratulate Nick and Sasha and or Corey and Steph for their fantasy football victory in the first annual Marriage Therapy Radio Football League. One of them probably won. We had a scoring snafu, but they're both champions in my heart. I just want to say thank you to everybody who played this year. And if you want to play next year, then you're going to have to pay attention because uh, we already have a, like, I don't know, dibs. So, uh, but we have like six or eight months for now. We have the very distinct pleasure of talking to Emily Nagoski, um, who, if you've listened to the podcast at all, you know, she's been on our wish list for a very long time. Laura and I both have deep, deep respect for her work and she is super cool. Uh, we talked to her for a very long time. We actually split this episode into two. This is part one, um, where we just get to know Emily and some of her thoughts in particular around sex. You'll know about her book come as you are. She's got another book that she's working on that she is excited to uh, tell us a little bit about. It is my very distinct pleasure to say this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Um, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? Uh, we're, we're really good. We were just talking That's about... That's a lie. Um, that is a lie. I have sexy phlegm because there's stuff happening here. Oh, yeah. But yeah. at least we can record the sexy phlegm so it's it's out there in the universe now. It's on brand. Yeah. <laughs> in the last couple of weeks of recording the Come As You Are podcast, I had RSV. Oh, no. You can totally hear it. In, like, I can hear it in my throat. But I had like 50,000 cough drops over uh-huh. the course of two weeks. It was it was a lot. Did it you get so out of breath? so much post-nasal drip. Yes. I Wait. got out of breath. It yeah. exacerbated my asthma. I woke myself up multiple times in the night coughing. Yep. Don't get RSV. Don't do it. I don't think. Is that what you no, have? I don't know what I have. I mean, I'm basically ignoring it, but just for the sake of the podcast, we recognize that my voice is like, I'm a solid baritone today. <laughs> yeah. Post-nasal drip will do that. Yeah. Gargling warm salt water. Get it? I'll get it. Yeah. Don't, do not swallow warm salt water. I you thought swallowing it. was in though, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. Okay. I'm into it. Emily, we've been, we've been stalking you for like a year. Yeah. Uh, maybe more. So I'm glad to reach you. And uh, Richard, he seems like a delight. He is. I am uh, the luckiest lady in the world. No, that's not true. Yeah. So, you know, he's my husband, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He, yeah, it's like, that's right there in his bio. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> in his signature. There are times when I'm like, how did I get so lucky? To, and I'm like, no, 10 years of therapy. I earned him. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Is it wrong that I remind my husband how lucky he is to be married to me? I should probably say it how lucky I am, but oh well. <laughs> Both things can be true. I have a standard question, if you don't mind. So, Richard, how did you meet him? Oh, we met on the internet before there were apps. Okay, we how does how do you just how does that work? We met on OkCupid, uh, which was just a website at the time. Yeah. And uh, so the reason I was on dating websites is because I had been single for quite a long time, and my therapist was like, "Well, you're not trying hard mm-hmm. enough." The only reason I wanted to be in a relationship is because I was living alone, which I really loved. But 
as I looked into the future, I didn't want to die alone. Truly. Mm-hmm. Like that was my thing. Okay. Um, and so my therapist was like, you're not doing enough. And I was like, fine, let's see what doing enough looks like. And I got super hardcore and I read all like the research and the science. Okay. Cupid at the time had great data about like effective strategies for people mm-hmm. of different genders. Hmm. Um, and what, Okay, Cupid said was the ideal approach for like if you're looking at the profile of men, you hide your profile so that they can't see if you looked at it and you like search and search and search and search. And then you pick someone that you like enough to want them to know that you looked at them. <laughs> okay. And then they can choose if they want to email you or message you, mm-hmm. which they always do. If you look at their profile, they message you. Yep. Um, and yeah. that's a great like first filter. And uh, and it worked. All right. right Game on. over. So, yeah, basically my therapist betting me mm-hmm. is it's a pretty effective strategy. How we met. And the weird thing is Rich and I actually have real life mutual acquaintances. And if either of us like left the house or did anything social, we would definitely have met. But we don't. Mm. <laughs> 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 so, OK, here's always my follow up question, though. So you met him on on the OK Cupid. But when did you know? How did you know he was your husband? Oh, really, really soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, within the first two weeks, I was like, this is going to be long. Uh, I don't know if this is forever, but this is going to be long. Um, (laughs) And we met in August and by May, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to marry him. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh I think I was pretty certain too. The real thing, like I have to say the very first date, he came over to my house. I had had a long day and we were like texting to each other. Uh, and he was like, let me bring you some pierogi. And I was like, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let me have a strange man from the internet bring me some pierogi to my I'm house. I'm glad you recognize that. So I met him that. outside uh-huh. my apartment building with my 70-pound dog. Good. So you sent him a message. Who, when I adopted him, Green Bean had been in the shelter for over five years. Oh, wow. Um, he was removed from his home because he was being like physically abused by the teenage boys in the home. And that made him aggressive toward men. Mm -hmm. So like Green Bean has a radar. Uh I had had other people over to my house and Mm -hmm. Green Bean would like pace and be really like, "Mm, nope, mm, nope, nope, Mm -hmm. don't want him in here. But as soon as Rich Rich comes to my apartment building, we go to my apartment, he sits down on the couch, Green Bean fell asleep at his feet. And you were like, and I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Emily. I knew I took a training from you, a virtual training, and and you were like, "My dogs are around, just so you know." You have more than one, is that right? Yes. Okay, so I was like, Zach, I want to show you my. I have a new puppy. I was like, I'm going to wait until Emily's on because I put her in a sock because she's so tiny. Isn't she so cute? Zach doesn't she's like so animals. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. they're like, I, they're so uh, so as a person who grew up in a not spectacular family of origin, mm-hmm. yes, I've been in therapy for a long time, but I find that having an animal around, particularly dogs, it turns out, is a reality check for my instincts. Oh, like, am I reacting to this situation with the energy of like my screwed up family of origin mm-hmm. or am I reacting to it like a healthy, balanced mammal? <laughs> And my dog is the one who tells me. Okay. I see how my dog reacts. And like, that's a really important barometer for me. I like it. I love it. So So I have a question. When you rescue a dog after five years, 
Does it come with the name Green Bean or do you get to like give it a new name? He, his name at the shelter was Dean. And I, I was working at a college at the time. I had enough Deans in my life. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I gave him the silliest name that rhymed. I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it rhymes twice. And it, it also turns out I tend to name my animals after food. Uh, mm-hmm. My first pet was a cat whom I named Sugar. And mm-hmm. uh, the next pet I named. So uh, Green Bean and his brother died on the same day. In 2017, mm. it was, yeah, it was terrible. Um, and it turns out I'm a person who's not a person unless I have a dog. Mm-hmm. So mm. Rich like immediately went and adopted another dog and her name is Thunder and she came with the name Thunder and who's going to change the name Thunder? <laughs> but the next dog we adopted, we uh, rescued as a puppy. Um, and so we could we could give her a name. We could start yeah. from scratch. Uh, and I named her Olive. <laughs> Perfect. Just keeping right. the trend. Yep. Yeah. Not so. even on purpose. It just happened. Mm-hmm. It's all subconscious. We have, okay, so here's here's the deal. We have several, okay, let me give you a little background. So Zach and I are both marriage therapists. I'm also a sex therapist. And uh, Zach, I was, I forget what I was asking you and you go, I'm not a sex. Oh, I said, have you ever taken one of Emily's trainings? And he said, I'm not a sex therapist. I said, you work with couples, so you are. Yeah. You're going to have yeah. to talk about that stuff. So um, I don't mind talking about it. I just haven't taken any. Of your oh, classes. and I don't. I've noticed, Laura, that you've started calling yourself a sex therapist. It's new. You yeah, added it to they kind of tell you. After, you're like owning it as a person. It is. Persona. Yeah, it's true. Even though it, I'm still so I'm I don't know. I have to submit my paperwork to ASEC. But after that happens, but I've gone through all the classes and the supervision and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Emily, we're both friends with um, Tina Shermer Sellers. She mm-hmm. is like in my backyard and, um, and Kristen Hodson has been, and mm-hmm. has been a good friend of ours and of the podcast. So, um, I think that's maybe, I might've found your work or been exposed first to your work through, through Tina. Hmm. Well, I, you can see this book up here is one of the books that gets recommended to couples all the time. That's yours. Yep. Okay. I heard you're writing a book right now. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Can you talk about it? I, can't stop talking about it. (laughs) Well, go for it. Here's your platform. The new book is about maintaining a sexual connection over multiple decades, sex and long-term relationships. Right on. That's like Laura's big question. That's like the question she wants to ask you. That is a big question. I love that. Yeah. So it's like the main thing I've been thinking about for a couple of years now. I mean, I also had to think about the podcast, which was great and actually helped the book a lot. So I did a TEDx talk in 2018, 2019, um, about how couples sustain a strong sexual connection over the long term. Uh Um, And I pointed to the research, it's a combination of John Gottman and Peggy Kleinplatz and all those folks, uh, basically boiling it down to they have a strong relationship with admiration and trust at the foundation. And Mm -hmm. uh, they prioritize sex. They decide Uh that it matters for their relationship, that they stop doing all this other stuff and do this instead, this silly, wacky, sometimes messy thing we do. Why? Why would anyone do that? Um, so the book starts out with why Why prioritize sex? Right. Um, and then the second section is about the relationship factors, the tools that couples bring to managing their sexual connection over the long term. And then the third part is the part that like I knew, but I hadn't articulated it, I hadn't consolidated it in my mind, that the couples who sustain a strong sexual connection over the long term 
are the couples who learn and grow and discard all of the gendered nonsense that they were force-fed for the first two decades of their lives. Hmm. Hold on, say more about no that. No matter what the gender combination is of the people, uh-huh. all of us, like on the day we're born, we're assigned it's a girl or it's a boy, and right. they give you a script for how to be a sexual person. Yep. Um, and it turns out the couples who do best over multiple decades uh, are the ones who realize that that is all nonsense they have yeah. been lied to yeah and what mm-hmm. they need to do is discard all that stuff and replace it with what's actually true about themselves and mm-hmm. their partner and their relationship mm-hmm. that sounds like um oh i'm gonna butcher the name of the book but i think you said peggy already but um peggy klein Platt's magnificent e- sex e- yes thank you that i was like that's that sounds like the research that she pulled and that book is so neat to be able to yeah. read and learn from Kind of the non-vanilla sort of formations of couples and what they're doing and how we can learn from it. Love that. A fragment of her research that's not in the book, um, but it is in the talks when she presents about it. Uh, She Mm -hmm. describes the typical first age at which people have their first experience of optimal sexuality, of magnificent sex. Her research participants are people who self-identify as having extraordinary sex. So what is the typical first age at which a person has that? Um, you I'm going to guess 30, yeah. 35. Do you want to guess? I would say, uh, well, I want to say like 19, but I think it's probably more like 50. It's 55. Yeah. No way. Yeah. 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 55. I believe that. It, and that's, that's sort of like typically how long it takes to dig ourselves out from under the grave of the misogynist, heteronormative patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so I was actually with a couple yesterday, and maybe this is part of one of your book, but speak to this if you can. So we, they, were, they, they do what people do, which is they say, oh, we really like to talk about intimacy. And I, I go through this whole thing with them, and I begin to kind of uh, broaden the scope because intimacy means sex. And so they, we finally got to, oh, yeah, you're talking about sex. And I said, and they were like, oh, I feel like we should be having it. And I said, why? Mm-hmm. Like, why? What is it for? Yeah, exactly. Because, it, you know, first it's for recreation and play and maybe it's even like a job interview and then at some point it's like for making babies and then you're done making babies and now in this sort of maybe this is a part of your book like what's it for exactly now? yeah the question i ask in my workshops is what is it that you want when you want sex and mm-hmm. a separate question what is it that you like when you like sex yeah mm. and the answer is not orgasm you can have an orgasm by yourself most people um and mm-hmm. if you can't have an orgasm by yourself, then you're not going to have an orgasm with a partner, very likely. So orgasm is not the mm-hmm. answer. What is it that you want mm-hmm. when you want sex? Rather than saying, what is it for? What is its purpose? What is its function? Because people get so like lost that. in like reproductive and evolutionary biology and like none of that is our day-to-day lives, right? Well, I was like, you know who hates sex is people who are trying to get pregnant and can't and they ovulate and they have to do it like five times in the, in, in like the, the, this afternoon or this six-hour period. Like, so... Yeah, even the reproductive piece, but sorry. Yeah, ahead. yeah. I, I actually have a section on that of like the people mm. who like have to have sex are the people who resent it the most. Right. And yeah. it is so easy to start resenting your partner and like yeah. what's a solution to that? And there's no like total solution apart from like finally get pregnant. Yay. But like ways to cope and manage with it. But cope with it and manage the feelings that you have about the sex. Yeah. Uh, so when I ask people this question, I've asked hundreds of people to write down answers in workshops the single most common answer, you probably know. They want to connect with their partner. Connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The main thing people are looking for is connection. 
And when sex is not available for whatever reason, connection is available in other ways. There absolutely are some people for whom sex is like the most efficient way to get deep into feeling connected. And they're, they're going to really like struggle if sex is never available because people, unlike sex, connection is a biological drive. Humans sicken and potentially die of loneliness. Mm. Yeah. So that's one of the main answers. And the second answer is what is it that you want when you want sex? Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it actually goes deeper than that because pleasure, like all of the first part of the book is about what actually is pleasure and how do we access it? Because it is not as straightforward or easy as we make it. Just, it's about pleasure. Just really focus on pleasure. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. your brain's only capable of perceiving a sensation as pleasurable when it's in the right context, when it's in the right state, when you are not too stressed when you are mm-hmm. not overwhelmed and exhausted, yeah. when you're not already in pain, it sure yeah. is a lot easier. Uh, when you're mm-hmm. not in conflict with the person, because touch from a person with whom you're in conflict feels like a threat. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how do we create a mm-hmm. context that lets your brain interpret any sensation as pleasurable? Because oh. if the second thing that's important when you want sex is you want pleasure, what you really want is to find your way to a context where your brain has easy access to the experience of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Hey gang, if you're anything like me, you love saving money at the grocery store. For example, I love getting ginger ale. It's my go-to drink and I refuse to buy it if there's not one of those buy two, get three free kind of deals. I'm always looking for a good deal. So I was very pleased to discover Thrive Market. I uh, went online to do some grocery shopping. I placed my order on Saturday and all of the stuff was delivered to my house today. So it was very fast and I saved a ton of money. We got chips, we got vitamins, I got some deodorant and some shampoo. Um, There are some protein bars that we got, a couple of new fresh items. Um, I was very excited to discover Thrive Market. And as a Thrive Market member, I save money on every single order. I think on my first order, I saved over $100. And on average, I'll save 30% each time. On top of the massive savings on each order, Thrive Market has a deals page that changes daily, gives me cash back on so many brands, and they have a price match guarantee. Not only does Thrive Market save me money, but they also save me time. Like I said, I placed my order on Saturday. It was at my house on Sunday. We had some of it for dinner tonight. I love the filters on their website and the app. They have over 70 different sort of items that you can choose from, whether you're looking for gluten-free snacks or non-toxic cleaning essentials. You can curate your own shopping experience with the click of a button. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-to-one membership matching programs. You join and they give. It was very cool. I had lots of different options for where I wanted my donation money to go. I'm excited to be a part of, of Thrive Market, and I think you should be too. Join Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com MTR for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's Thrive Market, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash MTR, thrivemarket.com slash MTR. And happy shopping from Marriage Therapy Radio and Thrive Market. Okay, I have a question for you because I was working with a couple yesterday and we went through, I kind of explained like the polyvagal theory. And Mm -hmm. I know Zach laughs every time because he's like, you love polyvagal. And I was like, I do. You love saying polyvagal theory. It's like you're feeling so much. Don't you marry it? The polyvagal theory is. It's brilliant, right? It's essential. Yeah, it is. And especially if you're talking to folks about sex and connection, the inability Mm -hmm. to connect if you are not feeling safe. And so I'm talking to a couple and they are in the later generations as you're talking, haven't had sex for years and years and years. And. 
you know, I said, what's on your wish list? How can I support you? First time meeting with this couple. And they talk about everything but sex. And I said, now let's talk about sex. What can I do for you? And they kind of looked at each other and they're like, well, we haven't had it in a really long time. And the assumption was that they would just continue not having it. And Mm. I said, well, what might be keeping you from engaging in that? And she said, to be perfectly honest, I'm numb. And I went, ooh, numb. Boy, that sounds Mm. to me like you are at the bottom of your ladder. Let's talk about that. So Mm. where would you go with a couple that one is in their 50s and 60s, haven't had sex for many, many years. They say, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I would like to connect with you sexually. I'd like to bring connection together all together, but I also want to connect with you sexually. But we're both kind of numb. We're both really like not feeling safe in in ourselves and in this world right now. Where do you start? You know, you build that safety, right? Yeah. Because pleasure is not accessible to a brain that's in a state of threat. Mm. Okay. So you like bring down that, that like activated tone mm-hmm. and which is going to be complicated because we know that these things oscillate right. through us. And there is such a thing as relaxation induced panic where a person who's been in like locked in a freeze for a long time right. or who's been at the bottom of the ladder for a long time, yeah. like as they start to r- release and unlock in uh, somatic experiencing, they would call it titration. Like you gradually begin to experience these things. If you try to push too fast yeah. and go too far, your body will freak out. Because if you're being chased by a lion, yeah. it is good to be in some sort of stressed out state. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, no, relax, relax, and you try to relax your body and your body's very sure that you are still being chased by a lion, mm-hmm. it's going to be like, we're not going to relax. If we do that, that's exactly when the lion pounces. Right. Right. So you reduce that tone in tiny little increments. Mm. And as they begin to approach each other through intimacy and eroticism and sensuality, it is, it's sex is off the table. Yeah. Until they can make some eye contact mm. in safety. Mm. Until they can rub each other's shoulders or give each other hand massages. Yeah. With a sense mm. of safety. You start with the periphery. Like the furthest edges of our bodies, mm-hmm. our fingertips and our toes and our feet. If the person can massage their partner's feet, yeah, that's a good, and you move like deeper into the core of the body mm-hmm. as those like more peripheral body parts feel safe to connect. I like that. It reminds me, Laura, of that story that John Gottman likes to tell about the porcupines. Yeah. I don't know, Emily, oh, yeah. you know this, but is this real? Is this an urban legend? Like he talks about how her quills are up. And so he goes back and he's like, I'm going to try and mount this lady, but I can't really do it. It's because not a lady. It's a porcupine. Okay. I know. But then he goes up and he like rubs her cheeks like uh-huh. this, just like caresses her cheeks. And he walks back and he looks and she's, her quills are still up. So he comes back and he, you know, yeah. rubs her cheeks again and whatever goes to this three or four times until, and his point is the same point I think you're trying to make, which is we have to sort of soothe the moment in order to like make sure that, that we're not in this defensive quill uh, right. posture you know and what he doesn't include in that story is suppose he goes over and like touches the cheeks of the porcupine and she's like Fuck off! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i was yeah. in the middle of making dinner what are you doing i don't need to be yes, mounted exactly. right now <laughs> this is the yeah so uh many years ago i was at a conference and it was like the lunch session and we're all sitting around at our big giant round tables yeah and i was talking about the dual control model because that's what i do yeah uh 
And there we go. It was first developed in uh, the late 90s by Eric Johnson and John Bancroft at the Kinsey Institute, who were my supervisors at various points. So I'm a child of the dual control model. Mm-hmm. And it there posits this wacky idea that the way sex works in our brains is the way everything else in our brains works, which is through a coupling of an excitatory system and an inhibitory system. The excitatory system is uh, the act, the accelerator, like in a car or the gas pedal. Mm -hmm. It notices all the sex related stimuli in the environment, which isn't just your extraceptive senses. It's not just what you see, hear, smell, touch and taste. It's also your interoceptive senses, your awareness of the sensations happening in your body. It's also everything you think, believe or imagine. It's also crucially neuroception. It is your sense of safety in your body. So all of that feeds into the system. And if it activates a sense that this is sex related, you get some turn on signal that many of us are familiar with. At the same time and in parallel, you have breaks that are noticing Mm. all the good reasons not to be turned on right now. (laughs) Which, again, it's all your extraceptive senses, everything you see, hear, smell, touch, taste it's also everything you think believe or imagine it's your interoception your body sensations are your body sensations uh sex related stimuli like if you're noticing genital sensations that's sex related and activates the accelerator yeah if you feel your uh gut clenching or your adrenaline levels going up that's a potent could be a sign of stress and a potential threat and it hits the turn off mm-hmm. signal right uh at ditto your sense uh your uh interoception and all the other senses, proprioception, sense of balance, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it sends a turn off signal. And it turns out when people are struggling with any aspect of sexuality, whether it's arousal, desire, orgasm, pleasure itself, sometimes it's because there's not enough stimulation to the gas pedal. Mm-hmm. But usually it's because there's too much stimulation to those brakes. Yeah. Mm. Because the sheer diversity of things that can hit our brakes makes it a huge target. Yeah, Because it's body image stuff, it's past trauma, it's relationship conflict, it's the sexual shame we were raised with. It's also stuff like being worried in the moment about, like, somebody's going to interrupt us, somebody's mm-hmm. going to, like, knock on the door, the kids mm-hmm. are going to need something. Yeah. Um, one of Peggy Kleinplatz's interviewees, one of the people who identified as having a magnificent sex, she was uh, uh, an elderly lady who said that the best sex tip she could offer was Vaseline. You put it on the doorknob. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. Right? Yeah. So like, like, or it could be just distraction because there's like crumbs in the sheets. You know what? If you're just, if, mm. if that grit is distracting and preventing yeah. you from focusing, change the sheets. Yeah. If your brain is caught and like, you know, there's one last dish in the sink and mm. your brain will not let go of that one last dish. You can tell your partner. And they could do this incredibly sexy thing of like going and doing that dish. Oh, my gosh. And putting it away and be like, you are now free. Nothing like chore play, right? Just release. Some of the things that activate the brakes are like big stuff, like trauma or like old encrusted relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of it is pretty straightforward. If your feet are cold and distracting you, put put on socks. (laughs) Put on some socks. I have it's a friend who I told the, the like, yeah. socks. There's a whole thing about how uh, orgasm researchers need people to, like, masturbate to orgasm in an fMRI machine. It's super not sexy in there. Like, there's not a lot hitting the accelerator, and there's a lot of 
stuff hitting the brakes. Yeah. So you need things to be as good as possible. Even among those who volunteer for these studies, only about half get to orgasm. And this mm-hmm. one researcher could double his participant's success rate if he let them put on socks. That's and people brilliant. were like, oh, it's a kink. It's a fat. No, it's cold their feet, feet were cold. <laughs> Which was distracting them. It was hitting the brakes. Yeah. You let them put on socks. You free up the brakes that extra little bit and they can get to orgasm. So I told this to a friend and she uh, got wool, thigh high socks. Hey, <laughs> that's sexually relevant, right? Right. I think, mm-hmm. what's, I think what's so important about what you're describing is sometimes the solution to our sex life isn't this big like thing that we need to like sleuth out and uncover and dig into. I mean, sometimes it is, but sometimes it's dishes and socks and Vaseline on the doorknob. Yeah. Um, it's like right there. I talked to another woman when I was traveling, I was in Europe. Uh, she like got me lunch, wanted to tell me this story that, uh, she and her husband and the three kids would go on vacation at this, uh, home on the Mediterranean, this very like old home on the Mediterranean. And every year she and her husband would have great vacation sex. Mm-hmm. And one year the ho- house they usually rented was not available. And they're like, that's fine. We'll just rent a different one that year. Different house. No great vacation sex. Mm. So they use the dual control model. What I love is that a lot of couples at this point would be like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my partner or there's something wrong with our relationship. That is the reason why the great sex didn't happen this year. But they were like, what actually is different about this vacation home versus that vacation home? And in on the Mediterranean, the very old houses, the beds are literally built into the wall. They are stone platforms built into the stone foundation and walls of the house. Huh. And when it's built in like that, there is no squeaking. Uh-huh. For their three kids uh-huh. to hear, to uh-huh. be distracted by and worried about. Um, and they were like, oh, it has nothing to do with you or me or our relationship or anything else. It's just the squeaking of the bed. Yep. So when they went to build their own home in the master bedroom, they not. built the bed into the wall. That's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Okay. Hey, I, just my brain is still attached to something you said a little bit ago, and I think Probably men need and to hear this. I would but like to find out say, what your couple yesterday said when they when you asked what is sex for. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's a good. I'll, I'll circle back on that. But did you did you say sex is not a fundamental biological human desire? Mm, it's a fundamental desire. It's not a drive. You're not going to die. Drive. Yeah. Without it, right? So right. there's. So you know, you hear men go, "I need it. I need this thing." You know, and so, but maybe it's not as accurate as, as they think. It's absolutely not. I mean, so what they need undeniably is human connection. Mm-hmm. But on that day, if, if the day you're born, the adults look at your genitals and declare you're a boy, they give you a set of rules. Mm-hmm. And in those rules, it says you have permission to express three and only three emotions. Anger, obviously. Mm-hmm. Winning. Yeah, you know that feeling, <laughs> and and uh, horny. Okay, and, and of course, human beings have many other emotions beside those three. Yeah. But if yeah. if you're raised as a boy and you grow into manhood, and like these are the three you've been given access to, if you're feeling, for example, lonely and longing for mm. connection, you look at the three choices and you're like, which one is closest? And you're like, well, mm. horny. And so you approach your partner for sex and your partner in hearing that request hears like, do you want sex? And they're like, I had a really long day and I'm very exhausted and my back hurts and 
no, thank you, please. Yeah. And they don't know that what he was really asking for was connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if he had said instead, do you want to fuck tonight? Uh, Rather, I'm longing for connection with you and feeling isolated and alone. I wonder if we could find a way to connect. Mm -hmm. That's a really different question. But a guy has to go through a long process of reclaiming access to the feelings outside of angry, horny Mm -hmm. and winning. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Marriage Therapy Radio. Big, huge thank you to Emily Nagoski for joining us on this episode. And guess what? We have another episode. It's a follow-up. We had a long interview that we broke into two episodes. In the next episode, we will be answering your questions that you've been sending us about sex and intimacy. So you get Emily Nagoski weighing in on this. This is pretty exciting. So stay tuned. If you are interested in finding out more about Emily, check out her website. It's Emily Nagoski, N-A-G-O-S-K-I.com. From there, you can check out the books that she has written, Burnout, which she co-authored with her sister, Amelia Nagoski. She also has a podcast that she has with her sister, as well as the Come As You Are podcast and Come As You Are book and workbook. I mean, she just has so many amazing resources. If you are a scroller on YouTube, Google Emily Nagoski. She has lots of live talks that have been recorded. Thank you for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.